Good morning, angels. Happy Saturday. Saturday with some little small little clouds peeping out here and there, but the sky is beautiful. So yesterday I was actually recording. I did a 20-minute or 15-minute podcast, but my content was so powerful and so necessary that the hacker that has been harassing my family forever uh, didn't want me to to do it. And so I kept checking to make sure it was recording, and, and it said it was recording. But then at the end, it suddenly says I had zero <laughs> content. So um, I'll probably have to look into it. Maybe Anchor just after two seconds doesn't save your stuff. I don't know. Anyway, but the important thing is this, because I'm not going to sit here all day this morning. I really just wanted to make sure that you get this message. And this is for the mothers of um, adolescents, you know, youngsters who are off to college, who are away, um, and, you know, parents of youngsters who, you know, hit a certain age and felt like, you know, it was time for them to move in with their friends or move out, etc. Or just adulting, you know, your young adulting people that you sheltered and protected and kept away from certain types of energy and people to ensure, you know, their protection and not having a foundation of wickedness around them. And then once they get older, they, um, you know, make friends with people in school or at work. And you don't know who these people's parents are. Some of them have wicked people in their family, jealous siblings, etc., that don't want them to shine. And now your great child or offspring is now being brought into an energy that they had no idea was against them. And why would they be? So we have to pay attention. We have to be watching. You know, we have these things like FaceTime and Teams and, you know, different ways, video chatting with our our youngsters. We need to do that, you know. Um, you know, my daughter is a shining bright light in the midst of an extremely dark city. It's extremely dark. And it, it was created that way on purpose. So... You know, ever so often we have to vibe check her because you don't know. That's what I've learned. You really don't know for sure. Because I'm sure you have an idea when you start to feel different. Your hair's not the same. Your skin's looking crazy. You might be, you know, looking like, not looking like yourself. You know, your favorite outfits are getting jacked up. (laughs) You know, you don't know. But the one thing that we do know is that, um, you know, that we have to make sure we are really paying attention to our offspring and what their needs are because we don't want them to hit a place where they're now so um, impacted or indoctrinated or whatever it is that they now suddenly uh, are, are coming fighting back to get back to who they were when they could just be in an even plane maybe got slightly slightly started getting uh uh armor started getting beat up a little bit mommy jumps in or daddy jumps in or auntie jumps in or grandma jumps in somebody jumps in for them to intercede spiritually and to guide them back to you know where they need to be to their strength and light and so uh, my daughter came into town on monday you know i saw last week 
you know, after she had done, um, gone to a Super Bowl party and, and spent some time at school with her friends, you know, regaining their love for each other, etc., because school's back in. And um, she just wasn't looking like herself. And and it was like, you know, I, I don't want to let her get out of hand. And, you know, my one of my girlfriends, who I love very much, um, felt like I should just let them go ahead and, you know, get jacked up. Let them, you know, stop trying to control this. That's not control. That's love. Love is what pays attention when, you know, you see that my pants are starting to tug and you see me eating the wrong thing and you go, hey, did you notice that you're like gaining a little something? It's okay. If you love somebody, you do that. So anyway, um, it's ha- it happened with my son where you just have to bring him back spiritually. You know, I only learned that you got to do it sooner than later through what my son had experienced with school. You know, it was very negative in there. And so my daughter, you know, she's at least she's more expressive. You know, she's more of a communicator. But even if she wasn't, I God has blessed me with certain gifts to be able to know and see. And so, you know, um, I said to her, you know, you coming home this weekend? And that was like, not last weekend, but the weekend before. And she was like, oh, she's trying to get home. She's going to jump on a train. You know, um, her boyfriend didn't feel like driving. The weather was kind of crazy, icy out, etc. And so I was disgusted because I just wanted her to, I needed her to come home. And it would have been okay for him to come too. But now, I was now needing her to come home without him. So um, we were just trying to work it out in our schedule, you know, to, to grab her really didn't want her on the train unless she really had to that's just an adventure even with all the madness going on in the world you know we're gods you know so anyway um so she finally the you know we finally went and grabbed her um after work on monday and she was you know just sweetest i love her so anyway so she was like a little banged up spiritually and so it took her like maybe a good day or two to start to really realize it because she was now home and relaxed and you know everything was just you know more relaxed she's even though she's with her love she's still on guard you know it's to protect her life you know and so um but home she knows that she's safe there it's a safe place and so you know i was like hipping her to her spirituality getting back on it and adding a new level and so I was watching her come back to herself. It was really awesome. And so she stayed a couple of days extra. You know, she didn't plan to. I had to do her hair and stuff. And my schedule was just hectic and crazy for work. And, you know, we had a lot going on. And so um, I finally just, it just felt so hurried towards the end to make sure she got this information. And so it was just the best thing because, you know, when she was at school last year, when we first dropped her off, the day we were leaving, um, she had gone off and um, done some activities while we were off getting her water and stuff to put in her refrigerator. And so we popped back by. Most of the parents were gone by then, but we popped back to say our goodbyes and give her her water. And she came over to say hi to us in her dorm. And she looked so sad in her eyes. They looked all sunken in. <laughs> and and so I was like, what's the matter? And so she grabbed my hands. And as soon as she spoke, tears burst out of her eyes literally like I'd never even seen that before burst out her eyes don't leave she said and apparently the people were rude and you know the upperclassmen weren't nice I guess they have a ritual of cruelty to the freshmen especially ones that think they're cute (laughs) and so she didn't have you know she didn't feel welcomed and 
you know, but she wasn't the only one. But God, you know, so as soon as she's saying that to me, you have to stay, you know, you're all set here. So I start, I say to her, you know, you know, I started quoting scriptures. I start giving her these motivational quick speeches and she's like, write that down, write that down. So I start writing them down and she's taking the most, sticking them on her little billboard, you know, her little board, you know, corkboard wall. And next thing you know, she has like five, ten little post-its all over, maybe fifteen, I don't know. I just, I was still just writing it and, and she would post them. And before you know it, I was hugging her and we were giving her a kiss and we were out. And so in the wee hours of the night, you know, like maybe around 11, we see, because um, it was the weekend, we see um, videos of her and some girls in somebody else's dorm room doing facials because they gave her a bunch of facial stuff to take with her, you know, for that purpose, you know. I gave, I gave her tools. And one of the most important things is that we make sure that our offspring, especially as black people, who come from someplace urban or who come from someplace better and you didn't fit in with the white racists or the Spanish racists or whatever foreign racists, you didn't fit in with the racists, you know, the colorist people and you just didn't fit in with your people because your parents never put you amongst them to do community service to see that they're not all animals, they're not all violent, they're not all mean, you know, they are your people and you should feel comfortable with them, you know. And so, with that said, um, you know, I was so honored and happy that she was able to get with some black girls and in different walks. It looked like there was a non-black girl with them. <laughs> and they were able to, you know, she was able to just bond with some people real quick. And they didn't even remain her friends, actually. They were people that she, I would see when I'd come to visit. And, you know, I'd see them coming through and they'd say hi or whatever, but they weren't, they didn't become her people. She actually ended up with people who became her people. And so, in her finding people to become her people, she was able to see that, you know, um, it was really just the fact, even though she was homeschooled, she ended up getting her own room, which could be very scary because it's like your roommate is the person you're supposed to become best friends with, family with, etc. with. And now you don't have a roommate. So that could be scary, but she managed to make some really sweet friends. And and that's one of the things I wanted to say in my podcast yesterday that I'm really like, it's so important that we are able to teach our children to vibe with other people of their culture. You know, I have people who work with me who don't like people of the same culture or culture, but they're from a different city. Or different you know part of something and and like you know that just is sick to me you know my thing is if you're not teaching your kids to vibe with people of their own color and let me just tell you if you marry outside your race and oftentimes especially if you're from an urban environment and you marry like you start getting into non-black people sometimes you are so disgusted by the poverty or ghetto or alcohol or drama in the hood or in your family that now when you marry outside even though that person's family is no better than yours they're just a different color now suddenly you don't want to have anything to do with your brother or sister or 
other ethnic people. And you stay away from the hood, you stay away from, and I just don't agree with that. I, what my husband and I did, we made sure our kids volunteered with us. Like we went and volunteered at shelter and in there, you know, we made sure our kids got to interact with them. You know, our son, our daughter, we used to pick some kids up, bring them to our house when we moved upstate the mountains to the lake community. We would bring them up. I would buy them clothes on the weekend so they didn't have to feel bad or look bad. And they would have their new spirit and be feeling blessed. And I pray that they are, they've gone on to be blessed, you know. And so um, I remember there was a little boy who was in this town that we moved to where we bought our house upstate. And his mom, you know, was a young mom. And it was a very, she was black, but she was like kind of mixed too, but she was more brown. And um, she was a foster daughter type of thing, raised by a foster person. And one of the most interesting things, she had a little boy and unfortunately he was growing up in the, at a time in that city before it really started to change after we got there and tore the roof down. But he was a part of a program and in the program it was a library program like a preschool he was the only black child there and they would make him wait to the side while they served all the snacks to the kids he could be next in line and they would make him wait and they would take the next and he would be last and and they got him used to being treated like that and he was sick and so we came into his life and you know he would get to spend the night at my home and you know we treated him just like one of ours i think i had to pick him up when his mother worked I would be kind enough to pick him up and bring him back to our house him and his little brother or just him sometimes and you know that was his experience with the acres and then one day as he was older we happened to be out in front of his house and a black boy rode by he was very brown skinned little boy just rode by on a bike and he went ew we were like what he goes he's black and we were like you're black He's like, I know, but, ew. And it was like, that's the mentality. That day it hit me. That's the mentality that these people were able to drive into him. So when I thought about slavery, when I thought about the conditioning that we've seen so many people from back in the day experience, and we just thought, ah, that's absurd. No, they really could take a person who might have been a scholar, brilliant, amazing, and they can rip them down to the ground with the wickedness. The wickedness is real. So one of the things I wanted to say that if you have married into some other race and you got these mixed kids and you don't want them around the ghetto and you don't want them on the hood, you're playing yourself because social responsibility is one of the most important things. If you did not come from money, if you came from a place where you had to struggle, if you know hunger, if you know poverty, if you know, you know, any type of craziness, and then you got better because you got an education. Because you got an education, then, you know, you have to make sure, you have to make sure you understand that it's your responsibility to reach back. It's, it's community service. And so, my recommendation for people who go in merry way and, and think they want to quote up to some other area where their kids now are taking violin lessons and wearing braces and trying to live a better life than you did. I'm not kicking that, but what I am kicking is you keeping them from who they are. 
there is a part of them that is a part of you and you are black or you are Muslim or you, you know, of whatever culture, not religion, culture, you know, and you don't want to deal with other people or you want, you taught your kids that they're better than your people because of what they, that they're mixed. So now you just remove the value of your own culture to give it to somebody else. Are they giving it to your culture, the value? Like you're giving it to theirs? The hell? So, so one of the things that my husband and I did is that we made sure, like, we ended up in a situation where we were pretty much homeless, you know? We had money in the bank, you know, employed, cars. But when we moved out of our place, thinking we were moving to California, we could not move at that. I was nine months pregnant. People talked me out of it. Things changed. Lord, I've been all gone. So now we are trying to find a place to live. And nobody would rent to us before the new year. It's like, please, we'll pay, paint it ourselves. We'll give you three months in advance. Whatever it would take. And people were just so loving the control. It was really sick. And it was right before the World Trade Center happened. And I was enraged. And I honestly secretly feel that some of those people in there that were giving us a hard time were in that World Trade Center. Because that's where I wanted them to be. I was so angry. So anyway, we ended up staying in a hotel where we were paying like $2,700 a week. Trying to like, you know, be free and not live in some craziness. Then we ended up in a room, you know, where we had to share a bathroom, kitchen, and other things with other people. And I had a new baby and my son. And all he knew was a great-ass life. And so, um, you know, my husband had to leave at night and go to work. And it was just crazy. But what that did was it brought me back because I had already directed a music video. I was, you know, I had, you know, Mariah Carey sitting on my lap and just, you know, living this life. And suddenly I was in obscurity. Nobody knew what was going on. They thought that I was just being a jerk, snob, whatever. And frankly, we were homeless. But we were out of there quick. We got our stuff together, found our, you know, the new year came and we were out of there. But I you know, felt a responsibility for people that we met there who actually lived in the building that we were sheltered in. It was in the Bronx. It was really bad. I like, I remember the kids slept in the bed with us. Like we didn't sleep in that other room because people could come in whenever they wanted to. It was really, really crazy. And so they, we heard like this really loud noise and the ceiling had fallen in into the crib where Kelsey would have been sleeping. Madness. But Instead of us being like, who we out of here, F them, look, that's where they live. No, we felt a responsibility. So we bought our home and we moved away. But I made a point to weekly come back to visit and to help do the hair of women who wanted to go back to work because I, you know, am a licensed professional. You know, I would, you know, bring the kids up to our home as we were fixing it up and they get to play around the, you know, woodsy property with mine and. Um, you know, we were really just trying to make a difference, but there was this one thing that really stuck out with me, and this is something that was like super serious. Um, my son, when we lived in, in Harlem, my son grew up in Harlem, and um, 110th Street, 108th Street, he played at the park at Cathedral, 110th Street, from like birth till. You know, Central Park was across the street from us, but it was very segregated, even though it had beautiful parks and stuff, it was super segregated. But the crap park at 110th Street at Cathedral, which they ended up cleaning up after we got there. My husband started spending a lot of time there. It ended up actually getting cleaned up and being a great place. And so my son spent a lot of time there. It was very urban, but my husband set up 
a bike fixing sign station with a sign and everything that said free bikes fixed, free brakes fixed or something like that. And so he did his social responsibility. But what that did was, is that introduced my son to the most urban children that he probably would have never met otherwise. And, and that was awesome. Like for me as a pregnant woman, when I was finally not working anymore and I was staying home, you know, with Aaron full time, I remember taking him to the park like my husband's routine was, you know, library, park, etc. And so I remember taking my son to the park and he said to me one day, like he just said to me, he ran up and he said, I want to take my shirt off. And I look over where he was playing basketball with these little boys. And this is like a um, six-year-old child. <laughs> and I see that they have their shirts off. So I was like, oh, okay. So he took his little shirt off ran back over there with no shirt on <laughs> and so um you know but that was his background so he just was comfortable with his people he didn't feel like anybody was poor or anybody was worse off than him you know he had already been in california you know in the telecini editing room for his you know fifth birthday he, you know he hung out at you know the company where celebrities were you know when he was four or five years old so he, but he could have had some sort of little weird attitude about it if that's the kind of parents we were. But I just wasn't like that in either of us. So fast forward to him now. He's six. We are homeless. No, I'm, yeah, we're like now he's, I'm sorry, he is seven. And we are now home. We have a home. And now we're visiting the shelter building where the other people actually live, these residents. And um, he hears these kids. It's wintertime and the kids are playing um, hockey in the hallway on skates and he wanted to play but I didn't really pay that no mind in the beginning and uh, something happened to where he was now um, he was now waiting by the door with his hands over his ears as I'm moving from the bathroom because I was doing this lady's hair and so he's got his hands on his ears covering them looking like he's in pain and I'm like, what's the matter? You want to go out there? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, you, you need your skates. He's like, got him. Got all excited. He ran away, got his skates. Little did I know, I didn't even see him carrying his skates. He put them in a little backpack. And so he had his skates and he was ready. So I, he laced up, I opened the door and I closed it and he was out there. And I was like, please, as soon as I closed the door, I was like, don't let him lose any eyes. Don't let him get starred permanently or lose any permanent teeth and so he was out there for a few minutes and before you know it like in a few minutes it was a banging on the door all rapidly and aggressive they're fighting they're fighting i open the door and i see my son in a headlock he's got somebody else in a headlock and it's like two him and two other boys one's got him he's got the other boy in the headlock and right when i see it He's biting the boy who has him. He looks right at me and bites the boy's arm. <laughs> the boy lets go, which was his intention. And, you know, they get loose. And I'm like, hey, 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 hey. You know, I break it up and talk to them and find out what's going on. And they just were going to try him. He's got this, like, little Muslim cut button-down shirt. <laughs> they thought he, you know, they didn't know he had lived there for a minute. But they found out. And so... You know, we chatted and they talked about their differences and I'm not going to raise up Essie. So I said, you want to stay? And he was like, yeah. And so they 
pulled it together and that was his weekly routine now for the winter was out there playing hockey with these little boys so you know uh he didn't feel better than anybody so now fast forward he goes off to an hbcu um after being in an all-white school high school middle school but when he was in seventh grade i put him when he's being homeschooled right before seventh grade so it was like the sixth grade I put him in a football team in an all-black neighborhood because, you know, it was a tough team, too, boy. He had some experiences, but nobody fought him. Uh, you know, some older boy held his head down by his helmet, <laughs> pissed him off, but that was it. But otherwise, you know, I felt like it's important. So now here they are as adults, and I'm so grateful that they're able to work with people of their own color, different cultures and everything. Um, from different walks of life and everything, but they are able to work with them. They are adored by these people. And it doesn't have to be a light-skinned person there. It doesn't have to be a mixed Hispanic or white, nothing. Just their people vibing, working together, making their dreams come true. And I'm super proud of that. And so that's the, the nature of this, is a vibe check. What, t what are you doing to your children, black people? Are you opting out of your own culture because you are making now your child believe that that culture is better than your own? Service. That's how you get your kids back to knowing exactly who. Because they're going to learn in their service in the community of a place that there's some great people out there. There are people who know how to read, want to read. They have geniuses. There are kids that live in those extremely urban areas just like we did that have people that love them just like they do and so we're supposed to keep our kids away and you know what's going to happen to you you're going to be put in a position where your kids are going to be put around people and they're not going to be able to hang and that's embarrassing they should be able to hang with people who look like them even if they're from another culture you created such great humans that they should be able to go anywhere and have diplomatic immunity. And if they don't, you have to say, what did I do? Where did I go wrong? That's what you need to do. That's what you need to do. You need to ask yourself, where did I go wrong? And I'll tell you, stopping your kids from getting to know their own culture, making them think that your side of the family's jacked up. When in fact, on that side that you in, ended up with trust me when I tell you they're they're with you because something went on in their family it's not just because they love you they're lurking outside just like you are okay so make sure your kids know who they are on all spectrums and vibe up your situation let them go around the scholars let them know that those exist too in their culture you know find the people in the field that they love that aren't just mixed, but are fully black and let them be proud of that because they can end up in a place where to that, that culture, they are the black. And now you just make them ashamed of who they are and they can be proud, blessed. You understand? So that is what this podcast is about. Vibe check. What are you teaching your kids? Are you teaching them to love you, love yourself, love themselves? Are you teaching them to 
to be ashamed of where they come from or who the people they come from. Because that means ultimately they'll be ashamed of you. All right. So I send you supernatural love, peace, favor, mercy, prosperity. Right. And I pray that you have a supernaturally awesome day and weekend. All right. If you like this podcast, like, share, and thank you for listening. Comment if you have something to say.